Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm coming to you today from Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory. And I am ridiculously excited about our guest today. Um, she is a colleague of mine, but also just a dear, dear friend. And her journey in sustainability has been so incredible to watch as we've been friends over the last... I don't know, eight or so years, maybe longer. Um, so I'm excited to introduce you guys today to Bridget Graham. And Bridget right now is working as the operations manager for MEOPAR, which is the Marine Environmental Observation Prediction and Response Center at Dalhousie University. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, thanks, Gemma. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say, Bridget and I got connected um in the summer of 2013 we didn't know each other but we were both participating in the University of Manitoba's Pangertung Bush School um and Bridget Bridget reached out to me we're both students on ICE alumni and Bridget reached out to me and said hey do you want to share a tent with me by the way we were about to sleep in tents on the tundra for a very long time and Bridget was like hey do you want to share tents with me so our friendship began as um both of us being roommates in a tent um for a bunch of weeks in the summer of 2013 so that's how Bridget and I got connected um but Bridget just to start us off um I'm going to let you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, thanks, Jenna. Um, so I should say I'm joining you from McMoggy uh, in Nova Scotia and Halifax. Um, so that's where I live now. Um, I'm originally from Beechburg in Ontario, north of Ottawa. And um, yeah, a little bit about myself. So as Jenna said, um, I work for Meopar as the operations manager. Um, but I'm also a doula. So I'm um, a labor and birth, postpartum and abortion doula. And I've been certified for a little while now. And um, I guess I I have a lot of interests and we're going to get into that. Um, but one of them is definitely uh, reproductive health and justice. Um, and that's something that I think uh, after coming to Nova Scotia, I kind of started out in the environmental field when I was in high school. Um, I helped run um, an environmental youth group for kids, and that was really great. And I got here and I was pursued a degree in sustainability. And that was wonderful. Um, but I really felt as though for a little while, I couldn't see myself in my activism anymore. Like I couldn't really see that I was making a difference. And so I was writing my master's thesis in history, kind of deciding what did I want to do next. Um, and I decided that Becoming a doula was something that was really of interest to me, um, just to help and support people going through these big changes in their lives. Um, so I kind of made this shift. And then once I started learning about doula work, I started learning about like the state of midwifery in Nova Scotia and how like a lot of people don't know what that looks like. 
And then the same with abortion access. Um, so although I started with a real, like, I'm super interested in being outside and gardening um, and to do with food, but it's really shifted. Um, and I see that in terms of sustainability as well, right? Like they're all part of it. Um, and so that's a little bit about me. I'm really happy and proud to be a doula and to do this work. Um, and then I also, yeah. I, I don't know. What else do you want to know, Jenna? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have lots of questions and I, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful, Bridget, that you shared sort of the diversity of your background. And that's one of the things that we're hoping this podcast can do is that people can see themselves and their work and the things that they're passionate about within the sustainability movement. And you you spoke to this, actually, even just within your own story. But, um, you know, the history of sustainability and the environmental movement, it hasn't always been very intersectional. Um, it's getting much, much better. Um, but I think, you know, your story and the work that you do um, really encompasses that, uh, which is, which is incredible. And I think lends itself to this idea that sustainability is about, you know, human health and human rights and, and justice, as well as, you know, ecosystem health and biodiversity and, and healthy air and clean water. Um, and I think those things are all interconnected. And, and so, yeah, your background is, is really interesting. Um, so I guess in that, in that same realm, uh, Bridget, can you tell me a bit about like, you know, what sustainability means to you uh, and how you sort of integrate that sustainability lens or focus uh, into your work, like your work as a doula, but also your work with, with um, Neopar? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think for me, it is really, I have this different like pronged approach of how I think about it. So like there is the environmental sustainability, of course, and that fits in with um, the work that I do with Neopar and we're funding researchers to do research at different academic institutions across the country. We're supporting uh, graduate students um, and early career researchers. So it's about the research, but it's also like the sustainability in terms of community. So how can we help them sustain the work that they do? Um, and what does that look like? And then uh, in terms of like my doula work and other things, like I'm always curious of how, again, how do we sustain these things? How are systems put in place and what can we do to better support them um, and then recently because I live in Nova Scotia uh, one of my goals is to learn um, the four languages that are most or that are traditionally spoken here so I speak French and English um, I'm currently learning Gaelic and then my goal is to learn Mi'kmaq um, and so like language sustainability is also very important to me um, I, my family is not from Nova Scotia. We are from Scotland way, way back, part of my family. Um, but I think like, why not learn the language? Why not learn something fun? It's a different way to learn. Um, it's incredibly interesting to see the connections between like culture and music and language. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. So I think I come at sustainability and the way that I walk every day is kind of thinking about all of these things. So there's a lot going on up in the old brain <laughs> thinking about these things. Um, and then finally, like my graduate degrees in history. So I kind of always look to the past and not all of our decisions, not even close, have been sustainable. But I think like thinking about the way that people um, eat or travel or move around and things like that, like there's always so much to learn. Um, so I know definitely during the pandemic, this is something I've been thinking about is like, how do I live a little bit? 
more simply and what can I look towards the past and kind of integrate into my own life. So, yeah. That's awesome. I think, yeah, I, I so hear what you said. I mean, I hear what you said. I, I don't speak any other language other than English fluently. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I've learned a few in the past, but that is so incredible and, and super important, I think, because, you know, language is our lens with which we understand the world around us and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we share stories. Um, and the only having one language or the language that we know is sort of the language that we view the world through as well. Um, so I think the fact that you're sort of committed to learning these different languages, um, you know, from a sustainability perspective too, is, is huge in terms of you know, the stories that are told through those languages and the perspectives. Um, yeah, that's incredible. It's really fun. I would encourage folks, like if you just want to really learn in a different way, I love the way the Gales um, really describe like place um, and like the weather and the environment around them. It's really interesting. Um, and the way that that's constructed. And because it's such an old language, a lot of the, the expressions are really different than what we would think of today. Um, but yeah, it's been like, it's just opening a whole different world, right? And then I can listen to music in Gaelic. I can watch the news in Gaelic. Like there's just all of these different things and the sense of community is really incredible. Yeah, that's very powerful, I think too. And, you know, Matt and I actually on our a coffee table in our house we have um, a Cree language book because um, mm -hmm. both of us are really eager to to understand Cree a little better um, you know it's one of the indigenous languages that are that is spoken here on Treaty 6 territory and um, right. and you know we have we have lots of friends who who are are Cree and um, you know I think it's it's something where even just in the terms that we've learned, which, you know, I, I couldn't sit with someone and speak a, a sentence, but even just kind of listening to the, the terminology and the difference in how much can be encompassed in a single word is just so incredible and so powerful. Um, and so I think kind of exploring those different things and, and trying to understand things through a different perspective, um, is important from, like you said, from a personal and a learning perspective, but also from kind of in general as a society, how we interact with the world around us. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Bridget, you talked, a, you talked a bit about, um, you know, your, your history uh, and, and your own, your own past and your own experience, but, you know, where does your sustainability story begin? And what I mean about this is just, you know, can you, you know, you said through high school, you were interested in, in, in the environment and in sustainability, mm -hmm. but, you know, is there sort of a memory you have from the past where, um, you know, your interest in this area was really solidified? Like, you know, can you pin, and maybe you can't, but um, I'm just curious about, you know, when you first became interested in this. Yeah. And I think like the way that I understood sustainability and environmentalism when I was like 13 and 14 is very different than how I understand it now. Um, and so I, 
I think there's a lot of things like growing up, my grandparents, my grandfather especially did a lot of gardening and he like compost, he did compost. And like, that was something that never did he think of himself as an environmentalist, but of course he was um, like using the land, giving back to the land, all of these things. Um, and the same with I like the community that I grew up in, I grew up square dancing and showing cattle and sheep. Um, so very agriculturally driven and surrounding myself with these people who took care of the land, really appreciated the land, but didn't see themselves in that same way. Um, and then trying to find my own way in that. And one memory I definitely do have was um, in high school, we had like a formal coming up and instead of buying a dress, I decided to make a dress out of like Kool-Aid jammers, like the drink couches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so and so I collected them like from the garbage and people drinking them um and so I actually like had them sewn together um in a dress that could um double as like a play mat when I babysat because it was just plastic that kids could play with and I still have it um and it was something that like people were so shocked that I did this but it was just like something different right a different way of doing things um and that's kind of always been the way that I've kind of um, seen sustainability is like, how can I take something and just do it a little bit differently? Right. So yes, I wanted to graduate from high school, of course, but like, how could I do that differently? Well, I did like a co-op and doing waste audits in my high school. And like, did I like picking through <laughs> waste um, that my, that other students produced? No, not really, but it really taught us a lot. And then we were able to integrate like a composting program and things like that. So it's like when I'm curious about something, I'll have that little spark and think, okay, how can I do this differently? Um, and again, thinking of like kind of bringing it to now throughout the pandemic, like I'm, I love living in Nova Scotia. There's so much, um, like I can get pretty much anything I want to eat or drink here, right? Like we have so, we have agriculture, we have fisheries, um, we have a great like craft beer and wine community and that's something that it's like okay I have this money I'm not going anywhere I have a little bit more money where can I put that into the community and support the businesses right so it's just taking that time and then having conversations with people saying like oh you like this well have you heard of this person and trying to really um, just get the word out there for the producers and the businesses that I care about so yeah I would yeah. say that it's just those little switches right but the Kool-Aid dress, yeah, the Kool-Aid dress was a, a catalyst for change. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. That is so cool. Maybe you could share a picture with us <laughs> and we can have that as the, uh, the, the sticker for this podcast. Um, <laughs> I yeah, can definitely I think, find a photo, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think, so I'm kind of, you know, through what you just shared, um, and you started out by saying, you know, the way that you live and kind of simplifying the, la the way that you live. Mm -hmm. um, but even in all that you just shared, there's kind of this common thread, I, I think, or what I'm hearing is around, you know, just being a bit, putting a bit more thought, like being a bit more thoughtful about, you know, your work and your purchase choices and just your life in general, the way you interact, um, you know, with the environment and with society and you know trying to have a bit of a smaller a smaller footprint and um yeah that's very cool I think I have a similar background obviously in in agriculture and and yeah. growing up in that space and I think 
yeah, like you say, it's, it's a huge now, especially the way things have changed over the last number of years. Um, you know, it's a huge change and it's a big deal to be able to, um, you know, buy your produce locally. And maybe that means like shifting what we eat, obviously at certain times of year Mm -hmm. and, and shifting, you know, maybe I don't get to eat that one vegetable that I love until it's actually in season. And, um, which is tough sometimes, right? But it's it's being thoughtful about yeah. the way we the way we purchase and the things that we do. So yeah, yeah. And I would say like it doesn't happen overnight, right? Like there's things that you can practices that you can adopt, and like I'm constantly learning and changing. But like I went strawberry picking this summer, and like I froze a bunch of my strawberries, and it's nice too because I'm not going to be buying strawberries in the middle of winter but I have them in my freezer. And so like I can eat them and kind of remember that. And yeah, trying to be more intentional about the decisions. Like we have so much power in the decisions that we make, um, even though it can seem so small, but yeah. Yeah. Just kind of shifting that and giving it some thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, Bridget. And so, I mean, one of the questions I'm curious about and um, well, I have other questions too, but So you, we've kind of shifted, we've kind of shifted gears where, you know, you're sharing a bit about the way that you live your life um, personally. And I know for a lot of folks, they feel really intimidated or really overwhelmed by all of the things that they need to achieve to, you know, live this more environmentally or, or socially or sustainability focused um, life. Uh, But what sort of advice would you give someone who is, you know, just kind of wanting to shift the way that they do things and and start somewhere? Um, you know, what advice would you give someone like that on how to get started? Yeah, so like a big thing for me is listening to other people's stories, right? Like thinking about and thinking about how people do things. So again, like the way that my grandparents lived, they wouldn't have considered themselves to be sustainable. But I think in a lot of ways, they lived a life that had significantly less of an impact on the environment in a lot of ways, right? Like the way that they purchase things um, or like use things, repaired things and stuff like that. So again, it's just like listening to people and it can be really overwhelming, but it's also like, you don't have to, like you don't have to buy things to be sustainable. Like there's, there's things that are marketed towards you and it's like, this is a great decision. And it's like, no, we don't need to buy things. Um, we can just like think about things or like maybe you want to read things. Well, instead of buying the book, go and see if the library has it or ask friends or like you want to, you get a new job and you need a couple different outfits. And it's like, well, it's hard to do that right now with COVID, but like organize a clothing swap or like ask around. Um, and stuff like that. So I think there's little things that you can do that over time will make a big difference um, and will help you to feel less overwhelmed, right? Like you're not buying as many things, you don't have as many clothes, but you really love the clothes that you have. And if something happens, like maybe you learn how to like darn a sock or like fix a sweater, right? And always learning. So I think like listening and learning are two big things. Yeah. Thank you. That's really good advice. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I interviewed Meg Dorward a, a couple of months ago now, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and had her on the podcast and I, uh, she talked a lot about that and, and she's, um, kind of the founder of this library of things, which the idea is that, yes. you know, if you're, you're installing a 
bookshelf in your house or something Mm -hmm. and you need a drill and you need a screwdriver and you need a level and you need a couple of things, but you're not someone who has a garage full of tools. So, you know, is everyone in the world expected to go out and buy the tools that they need to be able to install a couple Mm -hmm. of things in their house every once in a while. And so like you spoke about, you know, borrowing things or lending things like this kind of sharing economy. And that, that includes like sharing knowledge and, you know, sharing our stories and all of that kind of stuff. But um, this idea of, of, you know, not buying everything or every time we think we might need something all of a sudden it's like, and it, especially now everything's just, you know, at your fingertips and oh, do, do, you can buy it online and then it's at your doorstep. And so, you know, it's just kind of putting more thought and intention into those things. And like you say, asking yourself those questions, can I borrow this? Can I get it from a library? Um, okay. It's broken. Can I fix it? Um, you know, those kinds yeah. of questions. So, yeah. Yeah. Very exactly. cool. And I, I think there's things like for me, like I have like, I typically drink my coffee out of one cup and my tea out of another, but like, I don't, do I need 20 mugs? No, I don't need 20 mugs. So it's like also collecting things that mean a lot to you and it's fine to collect things and have things that bring you joy. Um, But like, I think I often take stock of like what we have and if we, if we're bringing things into our house, well, what are we also putting back out right like and who can make use of that so things that brought us joy in the past or that really served a purpose but we don't need them anymore like how can we give them to other folks so that they can use them um and stuff like that so yeah yeah that's awesome just very very intentional as you say which is really cool um yeah that's awesome so Bridget I'm curious about your gardening journey (laughs) Um, (laughs) gardening like it's something I think that it is one of those things that you know can be incorporated and it is is, I think well it brings me a lot of joy I know it brings you a lot of joy too Um, but you know that is one of those things that speaks to this sustainability lens but also to um, Mm -hmm. you know just our own health and and connection to earth and soil and plants and um yeah. So what does your garden look like now? Like you're in Halifax, um, you know, you grew up gardening. I'm sure it looks a little different. What does, what's your gardening look like? Yeah. So um, right now we rent a home. So I have container in the summer, we do container gardening. Um, so that's a little different, but it works. We, we can grow things and we're creative. Um, and then we have like a little, raised bed at my in-laws house so I can plant there um and that's really great and it's down by the water and it's just really lovely um and that's something that my partner and I are really excited about owning a home so that we can have that garden um and grow vegetables and grow flowers and different things I saw that you're growing flowers this year and that's so exciting and it looks different like when I was in high school I ran that environmental youth group um, and we had a community garden so like I helped run the community garden so that was a lot bigger a lot more gardening um a lot of my job was taken up um like gardening and managing that so it is really different but it's also um yeah I don't know if being here and being having my little containers that I care for every day is really great and I have a sunroom so I can kind of move them around and yeah and then like the plants in our house so we're trying to like we're growing an olive tree and we have a citrus tree and just growing different things yeah. And then I have like um, part of my grandfather's Christmas cactus, 
right? So like he passed away like over 20 years ago, but my mom kept it going and now I have part of it and it traveled from Ontario and yeah, so it looks wow. really different. Yeah, so just having that and um but no, definitely excited to have a home where we can have like gardens um in the ground <laughs> instead of in <laughs> pots and stuff, but yeah. You take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, um, but, for sure. Yeah. And you do what you can, right? Like yeah. there's always there's always exactly. a way to to kind of make it work, whether you're living in an apartment. Like I know when I was even in dorms in university, um, yeah. you know, I was always trying to find ways to make it work um, and grow yeah. something. Cause it's just, it's nice to be able to do that. But yeah, I'm going to take my, uh, I'm going to take a stab at growing flowers this year. Um, my mom has, and my grandma, oh my gosh, have the most beautiful flower gardens and huge. And they're just amazing. And honestly, I was just like overwhelmed by it. And I was like, why would I grow all these flowers? Like I already put so much time and effort into a big garden. Um, and then last mm-hmm. year I got honeybees. So now I'm yes. so, I'm so conscious. And like we live um, rurally, we, we have lots of land and lots of space. Um, but I was much more with the bees. I was much more conscious of like when things flower and in our climate, you know, around August 20th ish between mid August, third week to fourth week of August, um, you really start to run out of flowering plants, unless you're very intentional about late season flowers. Um, And so I started to notice the bees were kind of struggling at that time of year. Um, And so now I'm like, okay, late season flowers, what can I grow? That's also beautiful that I could maybe Mm -hmm. cut and have some, you know, vases of flowers and you know give some bouquets to my neighbor my neighbors and stuff so yeah no I love that and that just shows too right like you're you're like what can I do to support the bees right like before you're like why would I do all of this but it's like it's going to support them you're gonna have beautiful flowers in your home like I just yeah learning and moving through the world (laughs) yeah exactly and I'm sure I will fail at many a gardening especially on the flower side. Um, actually, we were talking about this uh, in a podcast interview recently, but also uh, with my boss at work. And she was like, yeah, there's so much out there. Like there's such great gardening resources out there for sure. Um, but it's one of those things where there's also lots of, you know, it looks so perfect. And in reality, that is not the way it is. Like yes. there, are, there are lots of failures and lots of no. learnings. And yeah, so... Yeah. No, my mom also has beautiful gardens. So I, I grew up with that. Um, but it's also like for a lot of the year, it does not look like that, right? Like there's, you take photos when it looks at its best. Um, but it, yeah. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to have your space look that beautiful. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so my last question for you, Bridge, is I yeah. would love, I would love to hear a bit more and you don't like, you don't have to have a plan, but I'm curious about, you know, what you're excited about moving forward, whether it's at Meopar or within your doula work. Um, yeah. Like, you know, what, what's up and coming for you that, that you're looking forward to and yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, and I should say like, this has been so lovely and the story of us living in a two person tent on the tundra for 
five weeks is one of my favorite. And like when I have to come up with a fun fact, like that is the fun fact that I lived <laughs> in this very small tent um, with another human. And then people are always like, wow, you must be so close. And it's like, yes, like you and I can go large amounts of time without talking and then just pick up. And um, I think, yeah, things that I'm excited about. So, I mean, I'm very grateful to be in Nova Scotia where the COVID cases are quite low right now. Um, and so like I can still go out, I can still see small groups of friends. So that's really nice, but I am really looking forward to gathering like with my family and with friends. Um, there's a lot of things that are kind of missing right now. Like we're not being, we're not able to gather, we're missing celebrations together. So I'm looking forward to that. Something that I'm hoping to do in the next few months is to take my death doula, my end of life doula training. Um, so that, um, I'm really looking forward to that. And again, just like opening up a different way of learning and way of supporting people. Um, I see birth and death very connected. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that and helping out, especially now where we can't gather to celebrate the end of someone's life and to mourn. So I think grief looks really different right now. Um, so that's something that I'm excited about. And then otherwise it's just yeah, I'm taking a lot more time to kind of, I'm learning how to relax, which is something I'm like almost 30 and still learning how to relax and taking time for myself and just slowing down. Um, so that's what I'm excited about because I have a lot more free time, <laughs> um, but it's good. And yeah, my work with Neopar is going really well and I'm excited to see where that goes and the kind of projects that we're working on. Um, and the same with my doula work, like the Abortion Support Services Atlantic our support looks really different, um, but we're still able to offer a little bit of in-person support and then just getting more volunteers involved, right? People know that this is something that they can do to help people. Um, so trying to get more and more people involved and just spreading the word. But yeah, those are some things I'm excited about. That's awesome, Bridget. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to follow your journey. Um, I'm so glad um, that your passion in this space is really around supporting other people because I am so grateful for your friendship and, and grateful um, to have you in my life. And I'm really, really glad that other people get supported by someone like you, whether they're going through, um, you know, family planning and, and abortion or, you know, women's health rights, like all of these things that are just so, so critical. um, And, and also, you know, incredibly hard. I'm glad there's someone like you out there doing this work, um, you know, doing it from a, a very compassionate um, place. So you're awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you for all that you Thanks, do. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know if there's anything you want to share in terms of, um, you know, places where folks can connect with you or learn more about any of the organizations that you talked about today, but you're welcome to share um, any of that now. And I'll make sure to link it in the show notes as well. Yeah, of course. Um, I can definitely share a lot of information for some of the organizations that I'm involved with. Um, And then if folks are interested, like they can follow me on Instagram and stuff like that. So we can, I can definitely pass along that information. Awesome. I'll make sure to, to link it. Thank you, Bridget. You're amazing. It was so lovely chatting with you today. Thanks, Jenna. Bye. 
Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.